Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Can you exclude the shots to the head for Mr. Williams and Mr. Thomas is coming from outside of the park? Yes. Testimony that throws cold water on the claim in the YNW Melly double murder trial that the shooting that killed two young rappers was a drive-by. These are the top moments from week three in the trial of Jamel Demons. Introducing the next generation of pepper spray. Meet Palm, a new maximum strength self-defense product with a patented modular design, revolutionizing the self-defense industry. Whether you're carrying the unit on your keys, snapping the unit on your backpack, your keychain, or carrying the unit in your pocket, Palm is the perfect everyday carry accessory. Palm's patented flip-top safety prevents any accidental misfire, and its maximum strength formula provides you with the necessary range and capacity to bring peace of mind to you and your loved ones. Quality, safety, performance, peace of mind. Learn more at palmpepperspray.com. I'm Antoinette Levy, and welcome to Law & Crime's Sidebar Podcast. We just wrapped up the third week of YNW Melly's double murder trial, it started out with YNW Melly's text messages and gang affiliation. Then it moved on to the medical examiner and an expert in bullet trajectory and crime scene reconstruction. Melly faces the possibility of the death penalty if convicted of two counts of first degree murder in the shooting deaths of Chris Thomas Jr. and Anthony Williams in October of 2018. Thomas and Williams were part of the YNW Collective and went by YNW Juvie and YNW Sack Chaser. Melly's co-conspirator, Cortland Henry, who went by YNW Bortland, also faces charges in their deaths and will be tried separately at a later date. Melly, whose legal name is Jamel Demons, faces the possibility of the death penalty under a lower threshold of an 8-4 to four vote by the jury. That was signed into law by Governor Ron DeSantis this past April. The week started off with Danny Polo, the state's gang expert. He told the judge during week two that he has a $50,000 bounty on his head because of his work, so he asked to wear a mask. The defense objected, saying the jurors and Melly had a right to see him. The judge let him wear that mask. Polo has also testified in the XXX and Tashion trial and others as an expert. But first thing on Monday, the defense brought up the mask again. May I inquire from the witness? Sure. Sir, are you aware that your picture went along with your family is on the internet as we sit here today? Nope. May I approach? You may. May I show you what, uh, this is a picture of the mask, if that is you and your family? Yes, sir. And that's on your wife's cash app? Yes, sir. Which is available to anyone uh, who runs that we just ran this morning. I guess so. I did my best to uh, keep things clean. I guess I missed that one. We would object to him continuing to testify with his mask on based upon that as public record. Detective Polo was clearly surprised that his photo was on the internet 
The judge said the mask had to come off, but that the cameras could not show his face. The prosecutor, Christine Bradley, presented text messages from Melly's phone before and after the homicides through Polo's testimony. In the two weeks before the homicides, Melly was clearly looking for a gun. On page 17, October 14th of 2018. Can you read that one and then explain what it's meaning? 9807 number asks, you know someone selling a glizzy? Uh, glizzy is a slang term Then Polo showed another text after the homicides. The state says it shows Melly was a member of the Bloods G Shine set. There's a message from, again, the Gino to the 9807 phone number. If you could read that message aloud. Are you a Ruru? I was thinking you should drop a few chains and give them to the gang. That'll show people who you connected with. It's not mandatory, just a thought. Okay. And the response? Not everybody, of course. Is there a like dues or tithing that's required as for membership in a criminal gang? Yeah, as described in the oath and many times throughout the Bible, it's not about the individual, it's about the collective, the mere mere fact that he wasn't even communicating with Gino and with his lineup enough, um, that was enough for them to say, you're not doing enough for us. And now, to step further, let's, you know, we need to be brought to these shows and you should buy us some jewelry because that jewelry is not cheap. Okay, so then the next message um, from December 12th is, says you're in the position to be a young Don. What is a young Don? Uh, higher up, a uh, captain. Okay. Is that one of the ranks? They didn't reference that name as a, as in their Bible as what they call their ranks. So it's, it's, I think it's just like a, like a term related to the mafia, Don. Okay. And the response from the 9807 phone number is? Let's do it. Okay. Then On cross-examination, Melly's lawyer questioned Polo about whether Melly was really a Bloods member. We were also speaking yesterday about the fact that Melly was largely unresponsive to many of the overtures that were being made the attempts to recruit him, right? I think he was already recruited, but the, like, yeah, what you're saying is he wasn't responding to the people that were messaging him okay. within the organizations. Okay. And I had gone through a list of, or a demonstration of mm -hmm. several messages that were not being responded to, right? Correct. And I think I had, asked you later on in my examination whether that was Gino and you're like no that's not Gino. Yeah there was we, we went through two different I think text threads. One was Gino and one was Herc. Okay. The jury also heard testimony from the pathologists who performed the autopsies on Chris Thomas and Anthony Williams. Dr. Rebecca McDougall performed Sack Chaser's autopsy. The first injury to the head was it? Back to the, back back. Of the head. 
was the fatal injury. So in this case, that's the fatal injury because the other two he was dead when they were okay. inflicted. So uh, this person, when he received the other two injuries, was already deceased. Correct. Did not suffer any pain from those two injuries. He's already dead. Fair enough. Okay. And you indicated that these injuries were indeterminate. Correct which means, in layman terms, simple terms for me to understand, means that you cannot tell how far away or how close the shooter or shooters were That's when, correct. when this occurred. Yes, sir. And Dr. Adrian Souter performed the autopsy on Chris Thomas, who is known as YNW Juvie. Can you show the mark that you placed on that that would be equivalent to the mark A on Christopher Thomas's face? So the entrance wound would be approximately right here on the cheek. And in terms of where the occipital bone, where you said that the impact or the terminal location of the bullet was, where would that be on that? So in order to accurately depict that, you would have to open the brain. And if I don't do that, then approximately right here, but on the inside. And so if you could just turn around and show that to the of the jury and point to Moving on to the next photo, C. Does C line up with B? Is that the other side of the hand? Yes. Can you tell if this is an entrance or an exit wound? No. Same reasons as for B? Yes. Okay. In terms of wound D, what are we looking at here? D is a defect to the D is the entrance wound to the medial lateral aspect uh, I mean, I'm sorry, medial dorsal aspect of the left foot. And if you could explain what dorsal means. Uh, uh, posterior. Okay. And how can you tell that D is an entrance wound? Because of the characteristics of the wound and because it has an abrasion margin. In terms of the order in which you label from A to D, are you suggesting in any way that that's the order the wounds were inflicted? No. The state then called Sergeant Christopher Williams, who is a crime scene reconstruction expert, to really explain what those autopsy results meant and how the shooting occurred, in his opinion. He testified that shots fired inside the SUV killed Juvie and Sack Chaser. So Mr. Williams was not even aware he was about to be shot. When Mr. Williams was shot, Mr. Thomas puts up his hands and is shot, and then is shot again. Okay. I, I, there's no time for anybody to switch a firearm. If there were, uh, I believe one of those individuals would be alive. There's no time to switch. It was a very, uh, a, a rather rapid event of uh, firing. Can you say the length of time between the fatal shots and then the staged drive-by shots later on? It was enough time for the for the heart to stop beating, for there to be no circulation due to the wounds that I examined from the medical examiner's office, 
none of the wounds uh, have any blood in, blood in them, which tells me that they're all anti-mortem wounds. So they're, uh, the time was long enough for the heart to stop beating. Okay. Is there scientific or medical testing to recreate that in any way, shape, or form? Yes, it's it's it's, it's knowledge that the uh, I'm sure the medical examiner could say the same thing. So in terms of it's nothing that can be recreated with a live human. Correct. In terms of the number of shots, you said 17 outside the car. How many rounds were fired inside the car? Three. And can you exclude the shots to the head for Mr. Williams and Mr. Thomas as coming from outside of the car? Yes. The defense really couldn't shake Sergeant Williams, although they tried. He was confident in his assessment that Juvie and Sack Chaser were shot inside the SUV. What's the best way to get an idea of how big the inside of that car is? You can measure it, or you can also view it. And where is that car right now? That car is in the crime scene unit forensic processing garage right now. Is it available for the jury to view this morning? Yes. Now, the jury didn't get to see the car this week because security needs to be arranged for the jurors to see it. But that could happen next week. So the jurors will get an up close view of that SUV. On Thursday, prosecutors told Judge Murphy they plan to call Chris Thomas Jr.'s mother to testify. And um, are you related to one of the decedents in this case? Yes, I am. How's Thomas' mother. And who is that? Christopher Thomas. The defense did not want Chris Thomas's mother to take the stand. They were concerned it could cause a mistrial if the testimony became too emotional. But she was called for a very limited purpose, to identify the people leaving the recording studio on October 26, 2018, at 2.19 a.m., shortly before the murders. Pause it at 2.19.15. Miss um, Phillips, did you see who entered into the occupants who entered into that gray, gray Jeep? Mm-hmm. And is that a yes? Yes. Do you recognize where your son entered that green Jeep? Yes. Which seat, if you can identify for the jury? Um, he got in the back seat on the um, right-hand side. Did you recognize the individual that got into the back seat on the left side, the rear driver's side? Yes. And who was that individual? Jamel. And Jamel, is that the defendant, Jamel Demons? Yes, ma'am. And do you know him by another name? Melly. And do you see uh, Melly Jamel Demons in the courtroom? Yes, I do. Can you identify by your article of clothing and where he's sitting in the courtroom? Um, he's sitting over there. Um, he has um, a tuxedo. Or, I think it was for. Leandra Phillips's testimony was brief. You could see she's been through so much, losing her son, and now sitting through this trial. And really, she's sitting there watching this video of her son moments, minutes possibly, before he was murdered. So she's watching him get into this vehicle, basically riding to his death. The defense did not ask her any questions, which was likely a very smart move. Ms. Phillips, we want to express our condolences to you. Thank you. After that, the prosecution showed the jury more than 300 videos and photographs from the phone the state says belonged to Melly at the time of the murders. 
The defense has raised the possibility that Melly wasn't the only person using the phone number that ended with 9807. The name on the phone is actually Young Sack Chaser. The phone includes many texts to Melly's mom and also other rappers, including Fredo Bangs, who picked him up the morning of the murders. To prove to the jury that this phone indeed belonged to Melly and was in his possession before and after the murders, Assistant State Attorney Christine Bradley showed the jury each video and photo one by one that show Melly holding the phone or photographing himself with the phone taking a selfie. Investigators extracted the videos and photos from that phone. And on Friday, Cortland Henry, who is YNW Melly's co-defendant in the case, appeared in court for a status hearing and his attorneys were asking to modify the conditions of his release. Yes, Judge. At the court, when we were here the last time, you let him go to church and stuff. You said about working, you would be subject to seeing his schedule. We filed a schedule for the next couple of months. I saw that. And he would like to be able to work. And uh, I talked to his probation supervisor. She has no problem with him at all. She said that if he's going to go to work, she'd like, like anybody has to do, provide an itinerary, where he's going to be, how he's going to get there, how it's going to get done, when he's going to be back, you know, in the normal check-in, drug testing, everything that goes with that. This schedule includes, you know, locations all across the eastern seaboard um, and Midwest in terms of the ability to supervise for probation and pretrial, rather. That is almost impossible. Um, with regards to the time frames and all of the studio being issues on that, um, I don't understand why they have to be until midnight or 11 p.m., why they can't be done during other hours on that. So the state would object. And he's already shown prior issues with pretrial. So for those reasons, the state would say that the current schedule and it's only needs to be maintained for another three or four months at this point before we'll be in trial. Respectfully, motion tonight. All right. Thank you. Portland didn't look very happy as he left court after Judge Murphy denied his request to modify his bail to allow him to travel. He remains on house arrest and his trial is scheduled for October. The trial of YNW Melly is dark next week. The 4th of July falls at that time. Testimony will resume the following week and we will, of course, have it covered for you on lawandcrime.com and Law and Crime's YouTube channel and on the Law and Crime Trial Network. And that's it for this edition of Law & Crime Sidebar Podcast. You can listen to and download Sidebar on Apple, Spotify, Google, and wherever else you get your podcasts. And of course, you can always watch it on Law & Crime's YouTube channel. I'm Anjanette Levy, and we will see you next time.